Good morning. The reading this morning comes from 1 John, chapter 3, and verses 11 to 24. A friend in need is a friend indeed, and John, in this letter, exhorts us to love not just in word, but in action. It may mean inconveniencing ourselves to care for and assist with the needs of others. They are our harvest field. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions, and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with word or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. This is the word of the Lord. Now let's just pray for Robin before he comes. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for this word. We pray, Lord God, that you will sow the seeds of care and compassion in our hearts. Lord, we think of Trevor particularly this morning and pray for him and Julie. And our Father God, now as Robin comes to pray, we ask to preach, we ask that you will bless him, that you will give him clarity of thought and speech, and that we may look forward to hearing what you have to say to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I don't know why you had to put up with a man without a dog collar when we've got so many in the congregation. <laughs> I feel like a dog without a collar, but never mind. This morning, uh, I shall be as brief as I possibly can because we've got bread and jam to look forward to. I wonder if you ever thought about the fact when you go into a shop and sometimes you actually ask for something in the plural and get it in the singular. And I'm not 
talking about two for one. For instance, would you go into a shop and ask for a scissor? You wouldn't, would you? You'd ask for scissors. Would you go in and ask for a shear? No, you wouldn't. You'd ask for shears. And so this morning, this is part of the illustration. This is a singular object, but you actually ask for it in the plural. Now this morning, what I'm going to try and do is show you exactly what I mean by Jesus asking that there be workers in his harvest, but workers and, and it depends on how we are as part of that and as to whether we're fruitful or not in his service. When a farmer harvests his crop, his cereals or his potatoes or his maize, he has to know, of course, that the seed's been sown in the first place. Otherwise, there's no point in going to the field. And you who are gardeners, at the moment you're pulling up your potatoes and your beetroots and your lettuce and whatnot, you've had to sow the seed in the first place. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus did exactly that in his life. And we are told to have the same attitude as the Lord Jesus. And I wonder how much we have been involved in sowing the seed so that there is a harvest. Jesus is saying the harvest is there, but the workers are few. How sad that is. We're few this morning. But many enough here, I'm sure, to do some evangelism constantly by the way that we live and by the way that we speak. So what is the right time to harvest? Strange question, because now is the time to harvest. And Jesus set us that example by his teaching and his preaching and his healing. He had compassion on the crowds who were harassed and helpless, as he said, sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I hope that's a real challenge to us this morning. Would it not be so wasteful if at harvest time the wheat's already there, brown, the barley's there with its beards waving in the, in this, in the, in this, in the, to, waiting to be mown, the maize is there heavy at the stems, we're seeing it, but there's no one to harvest it. My brother-in-law was a farm manager and he had three on his farm working most of the year except at harvest time and he had to plead with others to come and help because he wouldn't have got the harvest in in time more efficiently. And here's Jesus actually saying again what David would have said, I've got the harvest there but few people. In fact in John chapter 4 we see he added to his 12 disciples as they were then and another 70 went out. To somehow reap the harvest. We have a vicar, we have a vicaress, we have a curate, but theirs is not, they're not the only people surely to do the work. We are the workers if we have been born again and if we've been willing to sow the seed. The harvest is plentiful but there are too few workers. Time is short. So the reason why now is the time, now is the time. There are many now who wonder whether Jesus is about to return again. 
There are so many signs, are there not, which he predicted. The state of the climate at the moment, the earthquakes, the tsunamis, the hurricanes, the turmoil in the Middle East. Well, none of us know. Only the Father knows, as Jesus himself told us. But surely the days indicate that he will not be long coming again. You might be interested to know that the word for harvest actually means in Old English autumn from the Latin autumnus, to pluck. I have to say to us all here, and maybe I'm feeling just like it this morning, maybe our time's not too long, we're in the autumn of our own lives. Certainly once you get over my age, the time is short. You will remember, I've just said it, that we don't buy a scissor, but we buy scissors. One implement, but sounds to be in the plural. And the outcome of that illustration is this, that if we're people willingly who say with Isaiah, Lord, here am I, send me. Easy to say, but do we actually put it into practice? There's something about us which is essential to harvesters. Our reading... This morning, thank you, Chris, very much for that, recognizes that we must meet the needs of others, take an interest in them and their families, and spend time with them. Now, here's a word especially for you, Ruth, as you go into hospital tomorrow. We had a lady on the Isle of Man who, for months, had to go in for a week with her cancer treatment. And if you spoke to her and said, oh, how sad, it must be awful. No, no, she said. I look forward to meeting the other three in our ward so that I can share the gospel with them. There you are. There's the challenge, Ruth. Hip, hip, hooray. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right. Don't take revenge. And if someone who is not a friend is hungry, feed him or give him a drink. In doing so, you will have touched his heart. Maybe part of your harvest that you will be reaping. So now is the time, we know that. And this is the essential part, the other part of the scissor, if you like, the righteousness which is so necessary to reap. Underlined several times in scripture is the phrase, a harvest of righteousness. For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Do you really know the thrill of leading someone to Christ? On Wednesday this week, I was at a businessmen's dinner and it was thrilling afterwards to lead one or two there to Christ and others being counseled at the same time. I come away from meetings like that, although feeling drained, but thrilled that people still are coming to know Christ. That's a real, real delight if you're a harvester. By ourselves, in our parlous state, we're not effective. The farmer has to have a combine harvester that works, so it's properly serviced all the time. And we must be, in the same sense, in working order, effective for Jesus. The origin in the New Testament 
is found in the old. That's pretty obvious. But if you link Psalms 1 and 112, you'll see exactly what Jesus was saying about the harvest and the workers. It underlines the godly way of life expected of us who trust him. Our delight is in the law of the Lord where we meditate on it day and night. Do we? The believer is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in due season. Are we seeing fruit for our labor for him? The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. We have to have complete reliance on our God and take the example of the Lord Jesus and keep in step with the Holy Spirit because he gives us the power to witness. We can't do it on our own. We all love to see fruit at harvest time, do we not? Last year, our apple trees yielded but three apples. We lost a plum tree because it died, and the pear tree had one pear on it. This year, the branches are hanging so low with the weight of fruit. It's absolutely incredible, almost too much. So we're delighted, obviously, at that as to what's happened during the year. But we live amongst people who could be the fruit of our labor. How thrilling it would be, would it not, for you to, at the door at the back to see someone coming into church who you've just led to Christ? One of your neighbors, one of your colleagues, one of the people you play sport with. What delight that is when it happens. I went to speak at a men's breakfast some while ago and there were 168 people there in this hotel and I said to my host, how many of these people come to church? Well, he said, I guess 30. All the others, the other 138, are people who've been invited who are not going to church. There's a church that's working really hard with workers, men ready to be workers in the harvest. We should be the harvest of righteousness and to return to the original illustration with the scissors, we're expected to be God, not only to be workers, but to be fruitful workers in his harvest field. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives to empower us, to embolden us, and to enable us to be his ambassadors. What would be the point of a man who's in a British embassy, shall we say, in the middle of Russia, who stays in the embassy and does nothing on behalf of his country? An ambassador's there to be a voice. We're the voice of our Lord Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12 speaks of our commitment and talks of God's discipline if we've strayed. And that's obvious we do do that. Wonderfully, he forgives and remembers our sin no more. If only we would forget that and remain in the fact that he's cleansed and forgiven and that we're still fruitful for his service. Well, the time has come for us to reap and whilst time has been rather limited this morning, I simply say this, that a scissor with one blade is no use. Scissors with both blades are useful. We as workers by ourselves may well be useless. But with that fruit of righteousness, of the Holy Spirit enabling us, we are effective 
in the harvest of people. All we can do is nothing worth unless God blesses the deed. Vainly we hope for the harvest and uh, with God who gives life to the seed. Yet nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be that the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. What can we do? March forth in the strength of God. Fight we the fight with sorrow and sin to set the captives free. Workers, few or many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're not alone in this harvest field which is around us all the time, wherever we are. This morning, Lord, as you challenge us from your word, we seek opportunity to be your witnesses wherever we are, that you'll give us a word, give us that hope and that reason that we have faith in you, and we pray for encouragement to see people turning to Christ. We pray in Jesus' name.